If you have your Bibles today, I, wanna, uh, I want you to turn to Exodus chapter 15, and I want to share with you a message called Bitter Water and the Better Way. Bitter Water and the Better Way. Um, uh, I, um, you know, I, I need to make a confession here. Uh, those of you who have ever been out to eat with me, you understand some of the, the Outback employees around here kind of know this about me. I'm a little bit of a foodie, okay? I really like good food. Good food. Last, uh, I'll give you an example. Last Thanksgiving, I did something with uh, uh, Troy. Well, I cooked a turkey in the ground overnight, okay? Because I love good food. And it was amazing. Y'all are like, you did what? Oh, it was ridiculous. I mean, it was, the, it was the best redneck yard bird you ever put in your mouth. It was so good. So good. But I'm, I, love, I love to go and eat well. You know, I don't, I don't want to just go somewhere and it's just like, oh, man. But have you ever been to a, a restaurant? You're pretty happy about the menu. But you sit down and you finally get your seat and maybe, you're, maybe you like what they, they cook, you like, you like what they're serving, you like uh, you know, the, the angle that they have in their restaurant, but you sit down and they bring you the water and it's terrible. There is a restaurant behind me, that's all I'm going to say, it's behind me, that direction. I do not go there because the water is terrible. And then it's a good gig. I mean, if I was a business owner, I'd pray for bad water too. I mean, how else are you going to get people to pay three bucks for a Coke? It's a good plan. It's a good plan. So, but you, I don't go to that restaurant because the water is terrible. And there's something about when the water's bad. It's like, you know what? I'm going to make a different choice. I want to tell you a story about a time where the whole nation of Israel ran in to some bitter water and found a better way. Exodus 15, verse 22 through 26 says this. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and then they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days into the wilderness and found no water. Now, when they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Marah. And the people complained against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? I'm going to have to buy a Coke Zero. So... <laughs> So he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. And when he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. And then he made, then he made a statute and an ordinance for them, and there he tested them and said, If 
You diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight and give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes. I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians for I am the Lord who heals you. Now, uh, usually if you're uh, around uh, more spirit-filled circles, Pentecostal, charismatic, you will probably hear that statement regularly. I am... Uh, the God who heals you. You would say it kind of in Hebrew or English to Hebrew or Hebrew to English. Yahweh, your physician. I am the God who heals you. But we have no idea the story that is wrapped around that revelation of God. It literally means Yahweh, your physician, means this. I'm the God who mends you. It's a sewing term. He says, I'm the God that puts you back together. But why is that revelation coming here? It doesn't seem like it would make sense. I mean, after all, why wouldn't you tell this story after a time where, where there was a whole lot of sickness? A lot of sickness and now I'm the God who's your physician. Could there be that there's something more? I believe there is. Now, I want to give you the backstory. The backstory is this. God has just walked three million people out of slavery. He's walked his people out of Egypt. The greatest superpower of that day is Egypt. They decided that's enough. We let them go, but now we're coming after them. Not only are we coming after them, but those people walked out of Egypt with all their gold and silver. So that, uh, you know, I, I, here, this is just for the kids. Listen, the Israelites, when they came out of sin, they came out dripping. Okay, that's just for the kids. Y'all don't know what that means. They're like, did they not dry off? No, no, no. It meant they had gold and silver. They were dripping. Egypt gets angry. They come after them. God is a fire by night, cloud by day. He's protecting his people. They come up to the Red Sea. They're like, what are we going to do? God separates the Red Sea. They go through the Red Sea on dry ground. Finally, the presence of God moves from behind Israel to in front of Israel, leading them. And Egypt says, that's it. We're going through. God confuses the Egyptian army while they're in the midst of the Red Sea, causes the wheels to fall off of their chariots. And as soon as all of Israel is through the Red Sea, he collapses the wall of water on the greatest army of the time and drowns the enemies of his people. Okay? That's amazing. And by the way, that's exactly what's going to happen here next week in baptism. You go into the water, God drowns your Egyptians. You come out and they stay in. I don't have time to go into that, but that's what happens in baptism. That's what happens. So that's what some of you are like, oh man, I'm getting baptized. <laughs> some of you are like, I'm signing my husband up to get baptized. All right. <laughs> I'm going to drown some of his Egyptians if he doesn't get baptized. All right. Um, 
And so here now they come out, and in, in this story, uh, uh, Moses, who has been a great leader, as a matter of fact, when he's called, he's stammering lips. You know, he, he's stuttering. He's like, I, 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 I can't talk, God. And yet, after the Red Sea, the brother breaks into song. It's the song of Moses, and suddenly he's very articulate. He's musical. It's a, it's a great victory. He's like, yes! His sister goes nuts and grabs a tambourine. By the way, it is a scientific fact that a tambourine cannot be beat on beat, on rhythm. I'm giving that to all the Miriams. Can't. I'll send you the article. All right. Moses is singing. Miriam's dancing, beating her tambourine. And then, this moment. The people of God start in to a wilderness called Shur. They start in to the wilderness called Shur. Now listen, when you read something in the Bible, God puts every detail there on purpose. Even the names of the places where the people go carry meaning. You should know this, that names of places are important because sometimes they reveal and, and define for you why and what you're experiencing. For instance, most of you live either close to or around a city called Inverness. Now, it's not named Inverness, so all the men can wear skirts and play bagpipes, okay? Even though our sister city is in Scotland, it is not. Inverness means something. The name of our city means the mouth of the river. Now, if you know anything about the mouth of a river, the mouth of the river occurs on the ocean. Inverness is not on the ocean. The mouth of the river is where the river's reach is widest and greatest. Why does a landlocked city have a name like the mouth of the river? if it doesn't reveal a specific spiritual assignment that God has given to the region, that we are to be the place where the mouth of the river of God is farthest in its reach and widest in its scope and impact for the kingdom. I'm just, I gave you that for free. That's not even the message. Some of y'all need to stop trying to run away from Citrus County and stop start running in to the destiny that God has on this place. But the people of God find them out of after the the great moment of worship they find themselves in the the wilderness of Shur. The word Shur here means wall. They come out of this great moment where it seems like God's moving and, and they've just toppled the greatest army of their day and they now run into a boundary, a wall. 
I don't know if you're like me. Hopefully some of you uh, have a similar story so you can relate. Anybody ever feel like God started moving in your life in a powerful way and a short time after you hit a wall? I'm glad there's about three of you can identify with my walk with God. I hit a wall. I hit a wall. I'm like, I see God doing all kinds of stuff, but then I, I keep walking and it feels like I hit a wall. I feel like today I'm here to talk to some people who are walking in the wilderness of shore. You have hit a wall. You say, why would God put a wall after the great miracle of the Red Sea? Here's why. Because God wants to not only deliver you from Egypt, he wants to get Egypt out of you. He's not wanting to just transplant Egyptians. He's wanting to call people out of Egypt, which is a type of sin. And he brings them into the place where they realize, I need God to do something deeper in my life. And notice how long they're in the wilderness. Three days. Three days. Now, you don't have to... Uh, you know, know much about the Bible to know that's how many days Jesus was in the grave. What was Jesus doing while he was in the grave? You see, on the cross before he was di died, he was bleeding, shedding his blood for our sins. When he was raised on the third day, he comes out with victory over sin and death. But what was he doing for those three days? He was dealing with our sin. He was taking our sin and dealing with it. And putting it where it belonged. Three days. Suddenly... The people of God in Exodus 15 are starting to get thirsty. They're starting this, this time where they're walking into this wall and it's leading them and they're like, um, I, I, I don't know what to do. I, I, I don't know where to go. We just had this great victory, but now I've walked into this wilderness and it seems as if God wants to deal with me a little more. Now, you can imagine that finding a sense of direction would be great. After three days in a desert with no water? Where did the wall lead? The wall led to bitter water. Can you imagine? Three million people, no water, you're the leader. You're like, okay, we're just following where, where God's leading us. We're following where God's leading us. I know, I know he did something in the past, but I, I'm just going where he's, he's aiming us. And can you imagine that, that on the horizon, suddenly, it's, 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 oh, wait, 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 I see pools of water. I see pools of water. Our salvation is here. We're not going to die here. So they, they rush over to the pools of water and take it in.
the water's bitter. I think that this moment best cap- is best captured by Proverbs 13, verse 12. It says this, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a longing, but when a desire comes or when the longing is fulfilled, it's the tree of life. You see, attempting to quench your spiritual thirst by human efforts will leave you dissatisfied and disappointed. Disappointment is always in the place where you put hope and those hopes are dashed. They are not fully realized. So what happens? They think they have water, and they think they're going to get what they need. And yet, when they come to the waters, and they try to satisfy thirst on their own, the waters are bitter. Notice what Proverbs 13 says, though. But the longing fulfilled, the desire, it is a tree. Wait a minute. We just read about a tree in Exodus 15. Matter of fact, when you start reading the Bible for yourself in Genesis, you find out that God puts man in a garden and it's full of trees. Matter of fact, whenever uh, man falls, God puts man out of the garden. And Genesis 3 says, he drove out man, and he placed cherubim, listen to this, he placed cherubim cherubim at the gates of those gardens, a flaming sword which turned in every way to what? Guard the way. It's guarding the way to the tree of life. Why was he doing that? Why did he guard the way to the tree of life? Because man in his fallen state, had he gotten to that fruit, would have eaten of that fruit and lived perpetually damned to an eternity apart from God. Why? Because he would have lived forever in his sinful condition. So God puts angels around this tree of life. So he says, no, I have got to keep them away from damning themselves forever. Now listen to me. People have been trying to quench a spiritual thirst forever. The good news is that when you try to to, to quench it by human efforts, you will leave knowing those waters are no good. It will always leave you thirsting for something else. Let me say it to you this way. Man always hits a wall trying to find salvation on their own because God protected the way for himself. He protected the way for himself. He would be the only one who could go that way and actually become the way. Now, I want you to look closely at God's interaction with Moses. And you need to see this as God's interaction with Moses. So Moses, in in Genesis uh, 15, verse 25, he says, So he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. And when he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. Therefore, he made a statute and an ordinance for them, and there he tested them. 
First thing in this interaction with Moses that you need to see is that God showed him a tree. This word show is very interesting. When we, when we, uh, when you show somebody, you're just kind of like, hey, look at this, okay? That's kind of what, what, uh, you know, you're, you're just saying, hey, look at this. Uh, a couple of years ago, uh, as a staff, we went to uh, a conference out in California and a, a, a few of us went to the Redwood Forest, okay? Anybody ever see a Redwood? I don't know. Do we have any pictures of that? Like, I, I don't know if you, you got any pictures. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's aptly named, right? Big tree. That guy should be in marketing. Big tree. When you're around a tree that size, you don't feel so bad about the few LBs that you've gained in the last few weeks. You're like, I look small. Looking pretty thin. You're like looking at this, and by comparison, you just, you just look at it and you say, oh, well, there's the height, there's the diameter, circumference, the age. All right, good. You, you showed me the tree. That is not what this word means in Hebrew. This word in Hebrew means God taught him about the tree. It doesn't mean that he only shows him. He's showing it to him, yes, but he's showing them, showing Moses this tree, and then he begins to teach him about the tree. Let me submit to you that this is the moment where Moses was taught by God about the cross. This is the moment where God was teaching Moses about the cross. He said, wait a minute. It's a tree. But look at, let's look at Galatians 3. There, there are too many references truly to go into to show all of the references to where the cross is, is, is actually and could be translated tree. But let's look at Galatians 3, 13 and 14. It says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it's written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. This is so good. We actually have uh, Exodus 15 in Galatians 3. This is so beautiful. It says, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. It's not talking about hanging from a rope. It's talking about he was pierced in his hands and feet and nailed to Calvary's tree, the cross of Jesus Christ. Why? So that the promise of the Holy Spirit would come into our life. Listen, you don't understand what that means. Here's what that means. In John 7, Jesus stands up on the last and greatest day of the feast. He says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink and I'll give him the water and he'll be satisfied. But then he says this, and out of his innermost being shall flow rivers of sweet water. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. The water that flows out of my life gets changed in Galatians 3. When the presence of the Holy Spirit changes the source of the well. And it happens through a revelation of the tree. 
the work of the cross. You need a revelation of the cross today. Can I just give you one of my favorite verses? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says this. For God, for he who made him Jesus who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. You need to understand that when you look to the suffering of Christ and you get a revelation of of the cross, you look at a perfect savior, a flawless lamb given by God, never committing a sin, taking upon him the penalty which we deserved, had rightfully earned, but God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we in exchange might have the right standing with God that belonged to him that right state listen if you're in Christ today I've got some good news you're as right with God as Jesus is positionally That's what this says. He's getting a revelation of the cross. Can you imagine how we might live if we gained that same kind? If we let God teach us once more about the power of the cross. Man, we used to sing songs like, there is power in the blood. And man, on them really beefed up Sundays, we would add some extra powers in there. Pow, 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 wonder working power in the blood of the lamb. Some of y'all remember that. All I'm saying is, is we need to once again let God come down into the bitter waters of our life where we've been searching and hitting walls and God's been trying to deal with stuff in us and he's going to lead us to a place where he gives us a revelation of the cross once more. You say, you don't need some weird revelation out there that nobody's ever had before. You need a revelation that was starting to be given way back in Exodus 15 that was fully declared in the gospels through the shed blood of our Savior Jesus Christ. God showed him and taught him about the tree, which was the way. And I love this. The second thing in this interaction, Moses believed God. You say, how do, how do you know Moses believed? It says, when he cast it into the waters. Now see, if you just read your Bible, you're just going to read right over that. But don't you remember the atmosphere? Three million people are angry at Moses. They're drying up, dehydrated. Listen, have you ever been on a road trip and the exit can't get there soon enough? Because your wife is dehydrated. I need a water now. Why didn't you pack a water in, in, in? Honey, you know I need water. And so you should have had the little cooler ready if you were just going to keep driving and driving and driving and driving. No, I, I'm so sorry, honey. There's no exit. I can't build an exit right now. But I promise you the next exit. I'm just getting free. I'm getting free. Can we be real? Some of y'all aren't hungry. You're hangry, Okay. I get it. I get it. But I want to I I share with you. Look at this. He cast the tree in the waters. Here are all these angry people. All these thousands of years ago, God is teaching him about a tree. God gives him revelation of the tree. And what does Moses do? 
he goes and finds a hatchet in front of three million people. He finds this tree. We don't know how big it is. Who knows? Even if it was a moderately sized tree, all of a sudden, the leader of three million people, when nobody has water, starts chopping at a tree. He doesn't talk to the people. He's just chopping. <laughs> oh, you know there was some sister saints over on... I can't believe we voted him in. <laughs> what were we thinking? He has lost it. Chop, 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 chop. Fells the tree and by himself. When nobody else was working with him, drags the tree to the bitter waters. You laugh at that illustration, but that's exactly how you look to your unsaved friends. Why in the world? In a moment where the, the world is thirsting for answers, are you back at the cross? Why are you back at a moment in history where a man was, was put on a piece of wood, hung there for six hours, bled and died and gave up the good. Why are you back at that? We need answers. How is that going to fix global warming? It may not fix global warming, but it deals with the fire. The fire of God's judgment. And at the risk of looking like you have lost your mind, church, it's time that once again we get such a revelation of the cross. And it says, I don't care how bizarre it looks. I have got to get the full finished work of the cross into the bitter waters of my life, into the bitter waters of this experience. I don't care if I'm dragging it by myself. I don't care if I'm the only one in my family who allows Jesus. Jesus to do the full work in my life. I don't care how alone, how crazy I look. I have got to get the revelation that he's given to me about the cross into the bitter waters. He believed. He believed. And you and I must fully apply the cross to our sinful condition. You say, what does that look like? Acts 2.38 says this. Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Uh-oh, there he goes again. Here's Exodus 15 again. 
He says, repent and be what? Baptized. What do you think happened to the log? It got immersed in the bitter waters. And what happened? He says, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Remember Jesus, John 7? And out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Sweet water. Sweet water comes out of a life that lets the full work of the cross come and change them and position them for the presence of God's Holy Spirit in their life. I do have this question for everyone under the sound of my voice, whether in the room or watching online. Have you fully surrendered your life to God? Or does, does, does your revelation of the tree, like God gave you a revelation of, of the cross, so, so, so you hung it in the living room. I mean, it's there on the wall, but it's, it's not had much influence on your life. Did you know that there was a, a warning from a spiritual father to a spiritual son about people doing that very thing in the last hour? Paul said to Timothy, in the last days, they're going to enter perilous times. Men will be lovers of themselves. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And listen to this verse. This, is, this sums it all up. Second Timothy, it says it this way. Having a form of godliness but denying the power. Denying its power. He says, and from such people turn away. He's saying, listen, listen don't, just, don't, don't think that you can be joined in covenant relationship to people who want to look one way before a religious crowd but truly haven't given full access to the transformative touch of God on their life. He says, stay away from those people. Don't join yourself in covenant relationship with them. You say, well, I, I, think I've, I, I think I've given full access to the grace of God to be forgiven. Did you know that when that cross comes and heals the waters of your life. It not only affects the waters that flow in, which is the, the, the waters that flow in are God's grace. The waters that flow out are the result of God's grace. So it affects the waters in and the waters out, which is why Hebrews 12, 14 says this. Listen to me. Pursue peace with all people. And holiness, without which no one will see God. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. Listen to these words. Lest any root of, here's the word, bitterness springing up cause trouble. And by this, many become defiled. What did this start with in verse 14? Pursue peace with all people. Let me say it to you in a real practical, pragmatic way. Forgive everyone. Pursue peace with all people. Oh, no. Here you're going to go bringing up my ex-husband again. Here you go. You're going to bring up my deadbeat dad like I have to forgive him. Listen, 
I know in your world you are two kinds of lawyers. Okay, there are two lawyers in your life. They're on the inside of you. The first one is a defense attorney. So when the conviction of the Holy Spirit comes in, you've got an advocate going, oh, no, 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 okay. No, we, don't, we need to suspend that sentence. They don't need, no, Lord, no, no harvest on some of that bad stuff that's going on. We, we, need to, we need to reduce this sentence, Lord, that's on their life, that defense attorney. And then when someone offends us, we are a prosecuting attorney. <laughs> and we have our coffee cup. It says wrath and justice. And we're like... God, would you like to pour some of this out on them for the way that they are treating me? So one lawyer comes to our defense. Another says, no, throw the book at them. And I'm here to tell you today, if you have unforgiveness in your life, your waters are bitter. And listen to me. It says this root of bitterness will spring up. And it says, defiles many. Many who? You're not hanging out with the people you don't like. Unforgiveness in your life and not allowing the power of the cross to lead you into the liberty of forgiving everyone who's ever harmed you, not allowing the cross to take you there actually destroys the relationships you want. It defiles many. You're not hanging out with them anyway. So you're like, well, you know, I I don't care if my unforgiveness destroys that relationship. It's not that one that gets destroyed. It's the ones you want. And you wonder. You got this unforgiveness in your heart. and You wonder, why does no one want to hang out with me? This church is so unfriendly. (laughs) Taste the water. into the bitter waters. And then what happens? The supernatural happens when you do this. God heals the waters. God heals the waters. This is the beautiful. God heals Moses' water. It says, and the waters were made sweet. And there he made a statute and an ordinance for them. And there he tested them. In, In my Bible, all of those are capitalized. So who is the he? The he is God. It's not Moses. It's God. So the waters were made sweet. He heals Moses' waters, and he says, therefore, listen to 2 Corinthians 5, 17. This is wonderful. You need to know what the healed waters looks like. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, you're in the water. The cross is in you. If you are in Christ, you are a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. That is what it looks like to have the waters of your life. Healed by the cross. Now listen. At the cross, God does three things here. So he healed the waters, and then he made for them a statute, an ordinance, and a test. Uh Uh-oh, we need to hear about this. Because we just thought our waters would be sweet, and it was over. No. First, God made 
a statute. Now, these, these words do not translate directly. They do mean what they say they mean, but there's a deeper meaning. A statute means this. It means, in Hebrew, a way of living. God gave them a way to live. Did you know that there is a right way to live after the cross? And where do you learn the right way to live after the cross? But you learn it from beholding the cross. Did you know those who are in Christ have crucified their flesh with its desires? You didn't even know that flesh was supposed to be crucified. Stop feeding that thing and let it die a dusty death. It's when you behold the cross that you understand the way of living. What did Christ say? One of the seven sayings of the cross. Father, forgive them. Healing the bitter waters. For they know not what they do. We learn the way of living through Christ's embracing of the cross. There is a right way to live. Holy and set apart to God's work in your life. He not only gives them a statute there, a way of living, but he gives them an ordinance. This is so good. You, again, you're, you, we hear that and we think, oh, it's just a written code. No. This word is translated like 400 times, judgment. God passes a verdict on his people when he heals their waters. Are you ready for the verdict that has been rendered over every life that has accepted the full work of the cross in it? Here it is. Are you ready? Not guilty. The gavel has come down. You are not guilty. Not guilty. It is there. God says, I'm showing you the way to live, and I'm also showing you the verdict that I am passing over your life through the work of the cross. Not guilty. Not guilty. Not guilty. This is why we can live free of sin. Because I don't live under the guilt of sin. I live under the liberty purchased for me in the shed blood of Christ. And now I'm free. Not guilty. But it doesn't end there. Why this last one? And there he tested them. He gave them a test. I don't know about you, but back when I was in school, there was one kind of test I prayed for multiple choice. <laughs> multiple choice. God, please let it be multiple choice. Because I, I, can, I can look at that one and say, no, 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 that answer doesn't fit. That one, no, that's good. Just a one out of two. Now I'm down to 50%. I'm pretty good at figuring this out. Multiple choice. You say, why at the cross does he give them a test? Because... It is at the foot of the cross. Every person gets a choice. He doesn't make anyone choose to receive what he gives. He says, the choice is yours. I want you to think for a moment. In light of all that we've seen from this passage, now you need to hear the words that God says 
to his people when one man, listen, one man got a revelation of the cross and it was enough to satisfy the thirst of three million. Now listen to the words that God says in Exodus 15, 26. If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight and give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. He says, the finished work of the cross opens the door for the great physician to come into your life and to heal the bitter waters of sin, to empower you to release all of the bitterness of the pain that we've experienced so that sweet waters can flow out of us through the presence of the Holy Spirit. There's only one that can do it. His name is Yahweh, our physician, who says, I'm coming to mend you up through the, through the one who could walk the better way, Jesus. Jesus walked the better way to heal our better waters, and that's what he wants to do today.